0: Man, I love Christmas time. I love um, just this, everything represents. I, I know that a lot of people have a lot of traditions they like to hold to uh, in this time of year with family and friends and just celebrating both the season, but more importantly, just celebrating who Jesus is and him coming to the earth. And, you know, sometimes we can get um, the, the real and true message of what Christmas is can get lost in the shuffle of life, You can go down the mall and you hear a bunch of songs that are being sung. Yes, it's cool that every once in a while you you hear a joy of the Lord, but most of the time it's like a jingle bells. And you turn on the the TV or the movie Hallmark Channel and you'll never hear mention of Jesus or anything like that. And don't get me wrong, the Hallmark movies are fun, especially A a Princess for Christmas. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Can I get a shout-out, Princess for Christmas, anybody? Only me? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, I hate I hate Hallmark movies, so I'm just you know. Hallmark, what's that? It's like uh those are just those are cards, right? It's a TV show. No. No, I I love Christmas, but like I said a lot of times we can just lost in the shuffle of what's going on and what the true meaning of Christmas is, and I think it's just an awesome time for us to come together and reflect um truly what this season is about. It's about Jesus and his not only um, his sacrifice for us, but actually the fact that he chose to come to the earth. He gave everything up. He gave up his perfect world, living with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And he chose to come to this earth in such a broken, broken place. But he did it because the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was you and me. That joy was a family that get to partake, bring restoration to the Father. And today we're going to celebrate that. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about just a, a real quick story and then just draw three points. I don't want to keep us long today because I, I do know it, it's, it's Christmas Eve and I know we have a lot of family stuff to get to. But um, this story takes place in um, a small town. 1847, a small town in France called Rockmore. Now this is not where rock music was invented or anything like that. No, this is this is a place that was the following year. This this particular year. It took place where a, a long forgotten parish priest of that small town. In honor of, um, you know, the story gets a little muffled in this place. Some, some people say that there was a restoration of the church organ, or some people said it was a, a restoration of the stained glass windows. But regardless of the, the real reason, it was in honor of something that happened to a building. And this parish priest um, asked a local poet to write uh, a writing, to pen a writing that had a Christmas theme to it. Now, the thing about this local poet was um, he, uh, he, he not only was a poet, he was, just, he was kind of an amateur poet, but he was also a lawyer. He also had a, a shop where he sold wine and spirits, and uh, later on in life, he gained the reputation of being a, a drunk atheist um, who loves socialism. And so you, you pair all those interesting things, and you're like, so this is the guy that this priest asked to pen this writing uh, for, for the commemoration of what was happening in that building. And this guy said, well, okay, I'll do that for you. And so he wrote some, a beautiful thing, but he wasn't a musician, and he's like, I don't know, I, it needs to go to music. And so he actually had a friend, a Jewish friend, and his name was... Adolph Adam, and this guy was actually pretty famous. He was a famous musician and composer, and uh, he wrote music for the theater. Um, But he, he saw what this man had written, and he said, okay, I'll write some music for you. And so here we have the story of this beautiful song that we actually sung today where this priest that no one can remember his name for asked a drunk atheist and a Jewish man to write a Christmas song. And yet here we are. This is the beginnings of the song, O Holy Night. And this is a song that I I would say it's definitely on the top five of most everybody's list. It's, it's such a beautiful song. It sings, it, the, the, the lyrics of it are just so profound and so amazing. Kathy, you talked about it this morning in the transition, and there's so many powerful things, and even like the second verse is so powerful, and yet here it was. It was written by a drunk atheist and a Jewish man who probably didn't even believe in Jesus. It's, it's an amazing testament of what God can do. But the story doesn't stop right there because um, it took off right away. A lot of people loved this song. A lot of people in France loved it. It actually started spreading like gang, gangbusters. Is that the term you use? Uh, people were singing it on the streets. They were singing it in their homes. They were singing it in, in bars. They were singing it in church. They were singing it everywhere. However, the, the church found out actually who wrote this music. And they're like, oh, well, we can't have that. And so they ended up banning the song in a lot of different churches. They're like, we can't have this. You know, we can't have people who would defame the name of Jesus. And so they said, no more, no more singing. Um, and they thought that would stop it, but it didn't. About a decade later, there was a man in America. He was a famous writer. His name was John Sullivan Dwight. He was also an abolitionist. And for some reason, he found out about this song. And there was something, especially that second verse that speaks of um, the slave being our brother. And, and we know what was happening in America at that time. And this this verse speck, spoke so much to his heart. He actually introduced it to America. And from there, it just spread like wildfire in America. And it took off, especially uh, during the Civil War in the north. Because, like I said, that second verse was so powerful. Meanwhile, back in France, people kept singing it, even though the church didn't want it. In fact, there was a story um in uh, 1871, there was a battle that was going on between France and Germany in the Franco-Prussian War. And on the battlefield, one of the men from France started singing O Holy Night. This is Christmas Eve in, in 1871. And for some reason, everyone heard it, and the Germans heard it as well. And so one of the Germans said, well, I got a song for you as well. So he started singing a Martin Luther hymn right back to him right in the middle of the battlefield. And there was something that happened that stirred up in their hearts so much that this song just stirred up that they actually put down their weapons for 24 hours, and they had peace to celebrate Christmas. Such an amazing thing. And then we have another story in 1906. There's a man named Reginald Fessenden. Fessenden, Fessenden. And uh, he was a, uh, a famous, somewhat famous, uh, Inventor, And he was also a protege of Thomas Edison. And at the time, he was working on um, the foundations of what became the, the AM radio. And in Christmas Eve in 1906, you could, if, if you had a receiver, you heard what he, he did. He pulled out Luke 2 and began to read the Christmas story of how Jesus was born. But as soon as he was done with that scripture, he pulled out his violin. And guess what he played? Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night was the very first song ever to go over the airwaves. So we see this powerful song that has meant to so much to so many people. We see how it is weaved throughout history. And there's so many other stories that, that just you, the significance of, of what God has used this song for, it kind of baffles your mind when you think about how it was started. And there's three points I just want to bring out with this story today. The first point is this, and this may seem a little out of left field, but it's this point. If they aren't against you, they're for you. And why would I say this? Is I actually, this actually ties into the message I spoke a couple weeks ago on the spirit of unity that God has called us in into in this season to walk in. And... Um, this actually, this quote comes from a scripture verse in, in Luke 40. I'm sorry, Luke, uh, Mark 9. And um, yeah, Mark 9. And the story goes with the disciples, they, were, uh, they came across this guy who was, who was casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And the disciples said, Hey, dude, you're not one of us. You need to stop. You do not have the authority to do that. Uh, you just need to stop. And they, they shut him down, and then they, they felt like, I bet I bet the master's going to love the fact that we stopped this from happening. So they, they go to Jesus, and they say, hey, Jesus, guess what we did? And he told them, and Jesus is like, dudes, you, you're still not getting it at all. And then he tells them this in, in verse 40 of Mark 9. He says, for whoever is not against us is for us, which is an interesting thought. There's a, a prophetic promise, and there is a Um, there's a prophetic potential that lies in the heart of every single man, woman, and child in this earth. And yet we so quickly disqualify people because of either their rank in life or who they are. And, you know, human history is so full of people becoming disqualified because of certain attributes. And yet Jesus was speaking to us here a much larger larger. Message, and that's this there is the potential for people to extend to the kingdom of God that you had no idea that they could. You would think they would be disqualified. You would think this drunk atheist or this Jewish man, what business do they have writing such an amazing song that has lasted for generations and generations? And so with this, it's important for us to remember not to disqualify people. As we walk down the street and we see that person laying on the street, don't disqualify that person. Just God can do something amazing through them. And another thing that, Kathy, you even touched on today is we disqualify ourselves so often. The thing is, we see, our, we see everything about us. When we come on church on Sundays or, or we go to work or wherever we find ourselves, you know, we can put on this somewhat quote-unquote show of who we are. And we don't want people to see our all the bad things in our lives, the warts. And we feel like if we do, we would lose respect. And so we put up this wall, And but, but behind that wall, we still see the stuff that we go through. And so... Often, for so many of us, we disqualify ourselves from being effective agents of change and transformation for the kingdom of God. Do we know that story in the Bible where that donkey spoke to Balaam? Repeat after me. If God can use a donkey, God can use me. If God can use a donkey, he can use your neighbor, even if he's acting like a donkey. <laughs> Don't we all sometimes act like donkeys? The second point I wanted to bring up is is this. Beauty and excellence, they're big deals. God put beauty in this world. And a lot of the beauty that we see is a direct reflection of what people see in creation or trying to grasp just a little attribute of who God is. And as we build excellence in our lives, there's something powerful that can come out when you when you combine the beauty and the excellence together. And why do I bring this up? We wouldn't even be talking about this song today if it wasn't a beautiful song. If it wasn't done with excellence, this wouldn't even be a conversation. We'd be talking about something completely different. However, there was something that these people tapped into. There was excellence that was developed in their lives for writing and for music writing that they developed. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we're all trying to grasp a little bit of beauty or reflect the beauty of God, and we don't quite get it. But there's something powerful when we take that thing we've cultivated in our life with excellence. And I want to encourage us today, like Proverbs 22, 29 says, Do you see a man's skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And then the story of Daniel, we're, we're familiar with that. In and, and Daniel 6.3, three says, Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and, say, traps because an because excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Are we, are we giving things just our half effort? Are we just going through the motions? Or do we want to conduct our life with excellence? Do we want to cultivate those things that God has given us and put inside of us? Because when the combination of excellence gets expressed, it, it creates this beautiful thing that people can see and glorify their Father in heaven. The last point I wanted to bring up before we close today is this God's Word and His purposes will prevail. God's word and his purposes will prevail. Regardless of what you're seeing around you, the world may be going to hell in a handbasket at times, but I will tell you this, God's word and his purposes will prevail. Sometimes we don't understand, but we have to have faith. Just like this song that was written, there were so many things that came against it. The church tried to shove it down. And yet, God's purposes through, and this is is just a song. This isn't even scripture. It's just not even like other stuff. This is a song. And his purposes through this song has prevailed through the generations. Because it what? It declares the power of God. It declares the good news. It declares the gospel. And his word will not come back void. In fact, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven, do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And this is the part I want to highlight. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will prevail. Isaiah wrote another prophecy that Ted actually read this morning. I'm going to close with this one as well, because this is another one of those word of the Lord that went out, It proceeded out of his mouth and has been fulfilled, and it will continue to be fulfilled because this is a prophecy of the work of Jesus, which is not done here on this earth. His portion is complete as far as our salvation is concerned, but he's continuing to work in this earth. This is found in Isaiah 6-7. through For For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Say, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do we believe that today? Do we believe his word will prevail His purposes will prevail, regardless of what we're seeing around us. He is doing a mighty work in our hearts, in our families, in our businesses, in our city. And it's our role to just stand with faith, believing that we serve an almighty God. Amen? All right. If they're not for you, or if they're not against you, they're for you. If they are against you, then... No, I'm just... Don't disqualify people or yourself. It's important. Conduct your life with excellence and just see the beauty that comes out. And lastly, don't give up the faith that God's purposes will prevail. Amen. Let's stand up together. Lord, we thank you once again today that we get to gather together as a family to celebrate you, to celebrate all that you've done in our hearts and our lives, Lord, and, and to express our gratitude and our thanks for all you've done. Thank you for all the amazing prophetic promises that you fulfilled, that you actually were able to come to this earth to become our Savior, to save this world, to bring joy and to bring to peace. And today we remember all that you've done, and we thank you. And today we celebrate you. We celebrate your birth here on this earth. We celebrate, Lord, that you are a man who came. You are all man, but you are all God. And you know exactly what we've gone through and what we are going through. And you were there, Lord. You are interceding even in this moment for us. God, you, you continue to pour out time and time again. And we say thank you to that. So today, Lord, we just make a fresh commitment that our mindsets and our eyes would be open; They would be shifted, Lord. So, Lord, we wouldn't um, disqualify people. We wouldn't disqualify ourselves. We could see the prophetic potential in both us and other people around us to extend your kingdom. Lord, we also make a commitment today to conduct our lives with excellence. Lord, I pray that there would be a beautiful thing that, come, that comes out of our lives. It would be a sweet, sweet aroma to you. And lastly, Lord, give us faith. Let us never waver in our belief and our faith, Lord, that your purposes will prevail And your will would be accomplished here on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you today, Lord. Go with us as we go to our families, Father. I pray that you would bless us. You would fill us to overwhelming. And I pray that, Lord, we would uh, experience you and know you in a greater way today, Father. We thank you, Jesus.
1: I just want to pronounce a Christmas blessing over you. So if you want to just put your hands out. So I just bless you with the awe and the wonder of the majesty of the King of Kings. I bless you with faith to believe that nothing is impossible with God. I bless you with eyes to see the new thing that God is doing in the earth in this season. I bless you with hearts to receive all that the Lord has for you, not just some, but all. I bless you with the favor of the Lord and the grace of his love as he sent his son, that we would remember that his love is enough and that his grace is sufficient for us in this season. I bless you with the ministry of reconciliation, that you would be a peacemaker, that you would be a reconciler of families, that you would believe that the Lord wants to reconcile your family We just decree over every family the blessing of the Lord in this Christmas season and in the new year. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, bless you all. We have a prayer team. If you need prayer, if you need healing in your bodies, your soul, your spirit, please come up and get prayer. Other than that, bless you guys. Have an awesome week.